Welcome to Lifelines. This is John Augustine. In the mid-19th century, a new political party rose up in the United States, the Republican Party. Its first successful presidential candidate was Abraham Lincoln, and the Republicans would win every presidential election, except one, for the next 50 years. John Hay would serve those administrations from Lincoln to Teddy Roosevelt, even though he was never elected to any office. Mr. Hay was one of the most significant statesmen in American history, and his biography by John Taliaferro is called All the Great Prizes. After graduating from university, young Hay returned to his home state of Illinois to study law in Springfield, next door to the Lincoln's Law Office. He became friends with John Nicolay, Lincoln's secretary. Soon, Hay gave up the law and joined the firm next door as the assistant secretary in charge of the mail. Prominent politicians have thousands of correspondents, including office seekers looking for a seat on the government gravy train. And supporters expect a personal response. Hay learned to imitate Lincoln's signature perfectly. In fact, the most famous Lincoln letter, consoling Mrs. Bixby for the loss of her sons in the Civil War, with the immortal line, you who have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom, was likely written by Hay, not Lincoln. Both men were extraordinary wordsmiths. After the election, the new president left for the White House with his two secretaries in tow. The three men worked together daily. No one in Washington knew the president more intimately. At the end, both men stayed up all night beside the bloody bedside of their dying president, and they agreed to co-author the definitive biography of the man who had so inspired them. Twenty-five years later, they published that biography in ten volumes. But shortly after the assassination, their paths diverged. Hay would become a diplomat. He had a talent for languages. In addition to Latin and Greek, he had learned German as a boy from an immigrant neighbor and added French in college. He served the next three years, still a secretary, at the American embassies in France, Germany, and Spain. His experiences had given him entree. The emperor of France asked him what it was like to be at Lincoln's deathbed. Years later, he would employ his French again with the Russian ambassador, as French was the court language of the czars. No American his age had a better opportunity to study how foreign service worked or how diplomacy was conducted. So in the next Republican administration, he was appointed assistant to the Secretary of State. For President McKinley, Hay would serve first as the ambassador to England, establishing a firm and friendly ground of understanding between the two nations, a bond that altered the balance of world power that endures to this day. And when McKinley's Secretary of State became enfeebled, he was relieved by John Hay. The man who began as Lincoln's secretary and letter opener was now America's Secretary of State, the head of the president's cabinet, the third highest officer in the land. And he retained his office after McKinley was succeeded by his vice president, Theodore Roosevelt. No Secretary of State was ever more useful to a president than John Hay. Roosevelt was famously impulsive, rambunctious, strong-willed, whereas foreign policy requires patient negotiation, letting cooler heads prevail. The United States was now a world power with involvements everywhere. Canada challenged the boundary line with Alaska, a territory America had only recently acquired from Russia. Hay's good relations with England helped settle that dispute. 
Every European nation wanted exclusive trading privileges in some part of China. He negotiated an open-door policy that prevented China from being torn apart. And then there was Roosevelt's dream, the Panama Canal. Many nations had to be satisfied and reassured about the canal, especially Honduras, Nicaragua, Colombia, England, and France. Secretary Hay directed all these negotiations, speaking softly, while Roosevelt carried the big stick. In the end, Panama's leaders broke away from Colombia, declared themselves an independent country, and after a three-week revolution, signed the agreement with the United States. John Hay died before the canal was completed. He had led a remarkable life, more than this report can contain. In one of his brief periods out of office, he wrote editorials for the New York Tribune newspaper, served temporarily as managing editor, and covered the Chicago fire as a reporter. He wrote books and comic verse incognito. Some of his closest friends were among the most brilliant men of the age, including Henry Adams and Henry James, and he made many friends. At his death, he was sincerely honored, especially by Teddy Roosevelt, as one of the great men of his times, as he certainly was. This program has been Lifelines. I'm John Augustine.